Jay, I, I thought we're going to try something different here at NeuroNoodle, Jay. We may get slapped on the wrist. We may not. We're going to find out. You know, I, I like to, you know, make mistakes, correct them, uh, ask for forgiveness later. But I thought we would watch a short clip video. And let's put politics to the side because this is going to be like Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Some people are funny about politics. All we're here about is we want to help people, you know, get better. So politics. We got some Patreon love to dish out. We are supported by listeners and businesses just like you, like our gold supporter, Applied Neuroscience Incorporated, the creators of NeuroGuide, the premier EEG assessment and training software whose demo version can be downloaded from the link here. Hey, check it out. Applied Neuroscience is having a workshop September 10th and 11th in Florida, Madura Beach, Florida. Hey, two ways you can participate. You can attend the workshop or you can do it remotely through TeamViewer or click on the link here, appliedneuroscience.com slash attend-ng-workshops. Hey, check it out. Dr. Thatcher is inviting everybody that attends to his house for a cookout. Sign up now. It's going to be a blast. Woohoo! If you have any questions, email QEEG at AppliedNeuroscience.com. Join us. Hey, thanks to our silver supporters, Mary Tracy's awesome QEEG training program at EEGStrategies.com and my media's Nexus EEG amplifier. Welcome aboard, Erwin. They're at MindMedia.com. To this side, open mind. And, and, watch- and also football teams. You have to football set aside team. the fact that you're a Vikings fan and yeah. listen to the Green Bay uh, or Raiders you know, or and Joe Rogan. You know, so, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. Put, a, put aside politics and, and the specifics of what team they're on uh, or what sport they're in. All right. So I'm, I'm going to put this on and uh, we'll just watch this for a little bit. Now, I don't know if the sound is going to come through. Let me know, Jay proactive instead of reactive you got sound on your end i've got sound it's a little muted but it's okay well here i'll turn it up two practices a day yeah and how did that change somebody died and then it was two and one and two and one and two and one and then there were some college kids that died and then they went oh you can't ever do double days in a row anymore and double days from heat stroke are they dying from exhaustion both yeah yeah. And there was, you know, there was some maybe genetic issues going on, but at, at the root, there was... And then, Jay, you just tell me when to pause, okay? ...and hydration policies or education involved to allow these guys to recover. Okay, that's and, a good stop. So here, basically, he's talking about people that are overtrained. The coach wants you to excel. They're going to push you hard. But quite often, they're not paying attention to your recovery. And uh, recovery, uh, R&R, isn't just taking a vacation in Cancun. You actually have to sleep at night to recover from the wear and tear of the workout if you're not sleeping well. And elite athletes tend to be a little over-wrapped, tightly wrapped uh, group. And the over-arousal makes sleep difficult. We've actually found elite athletes do very well with SMR-style training to assist with their sleep onset, to avoid the 
the the excess beta spindling that's commonly seen in elite athletes' brains. They're, it, they feel it's their drive and they don't want to lose the beta, but they have to learn how to counteract it with SMR. Yeah, hydration and all of those things are great, but you have to recover with sleep. Sleep also allows you to remember because long-term potentiation happens during sleep. Things you learn today, the coach tells you X, Y, Z, you have to know tomorrow X, Y, Z, or the coach thinks you're just stupid. The problem is that you're not sleeping well enough to have memory transfer. So you've got to have slow wave sleep to recover from the wear and tear of the day and to grow the dendritic connections that memory is going to be relying on. And then REM sleep plays back your memories through that and you long-term potentiate what you've learned. So th this is one topic of, of this clip. I, okay. I'd go, go ahead with the rest of what's going on only got changed when there was a tragedy. Do you think that's because they are trying to instill mental toughness and just condition them to just some extreme level by doing this and that this was like this old school 100%. thought? Yeah. yeah, it was, you know, it was, and some coaches have still said it today, you know, how do you build callus if you don't, you know, put them through hell? You right. know? And it's like, work smarter, not longer. Yeah. Efficiency over time. Well, I have a thought on that too, is that, I mean, I think you can make people mentally tougher, but I think at the elite levels of competition, everyone's mentally tough. Yeah. And that's not the issue. And I've seen people fight over trained. You know, I saw Tim Kennedy went through two camps in a row because one fight got canceled and they went right into another camp. And then he wound up fighting Kelvin Gastelum and he was gassed out like almost immediately, which that fucking guy has a gas tank as big as the ocean. He's never out of gas. It's like one of his biggest strengths is his fucking relentless pace. But his body was just failing him because yeah. it had never gotten the adequate rest and, and recovery. Well, I mean, I, I think for a lot good, of the... Good point to stop for a moment again. In, in coaching, uh, there's such a thing as peaking. You train hard, but for a week or so before your big event, you back off on the training. You let the person recover more and the the it's it's a it's a gentle workout instead of working things very very hard and you, you get optimum performance after peaking if you run somebody into the ground as joe rogan just mentioned you can have somebody who's you know fully trained but without the recovery if you don't have restful recovery your gas tank is basically virtually empty you can have a burst of energy but you don't have the stamina uh, because you haven't recovered. Every workout creates micro tears of the muscle. They have to be repaired during slow wave sleep. And to not do the recovery, you end up having you know, progressive you know, uh, loss of muscle integrity. Uh, or mindset older coaches that that's not part of it. You yeah. know, rest, recovery, hydration, proper eating habits. Yeah. How that affects performance. It never came into effect. You know, it's like, no, we're going to grind you and see what your limit is. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that can make it through, they're going to make it through. The, the ones that can't get fucking out of here. Yeah. But that's just, thankfully, that's not the way we do it anymore. But well, the ever has to be. They've had to change a lot of things in the NFL, right? I mean, uh, concussions. Yeah. Now people realize what an issue that is. I mean, when you first started playing football, how much talk was there about CTE and None. concussion? None. None. Yeah. You know, you get dinged in the head, you see stars, and get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's 
much better policies in place and awareness around it. Um, and, you know, probably as much attention as could possibly be to any type of head injury that happens. We have independent people, you know, uh, spotters who can pull people out of games uh, who might've got dinged up. We have multiple um, independent uh, uh, medical personnel whose main job is to watch for head injuries now, which is great. And, and the recovery process to actually get back on the field is way more difficult. You've got to pass a number of different tests. It's all slotted on a day-to-day basis. It, it really sets up that you, you're not going to be able to come back the, the, the next week. What protocols do they have for recovery? Like, so if someone gets dinged, they get concussed, what, what do they do to try to help them recover? Well, I don't think that part is maybe where it needs to be yet. It's, it's more go home and rest. Really? Yeah. So they don't have any modalities. They don't have any therapies. They don't have anything that they do. Hyperbaric chambers, nothing. Not, not in Green Bay. Really? And I would say not in probably most places. There's no, there's, I think in any business, I'm not just going to single out the NFL, but there is an aversion to a new way of doing things always. And I think until they see other people doing it and having success, maybe uh, it's always going to be met with, no, this is how we do things. We've always done it a certain way. This is how we're going to do things. Now there's education that comes up and, and conversations and we further it, but but it's not like, hey, you got a concussion. Okay, you're going to hyperbaric for, you know, days one through three and do light therapy in this day and do, you know, and take, you know, this, on this, whatever it might be. There's, there's not. And what, what tests do they do on people to make sure that they have recovered? Cognitive testing. There's balance testing. Yeah, there's multiple cognitive tests and then a balance test. And it's all you know, compared to your baseline that you do at the beginning of every season. When you hear about guys like Jim McMahon that are suffering really badly now, does this give you pause? Do you, I mean, yeah, for sure. And I know Jim and I'm definitely friendly with Jim. I, you know, enjoy being around him. He plays in the same golf tournament I do in Tahoe. He's played every year it's ever been on. And, um, and I've talked to him about, uh, about his, uh, his issues and, and heard him talk about it as well. And it definitely gives me pause. Um, that's why I'm always, you know, doing research on my own about stuff that people have done. Joe Namath has talked a lot uh, about, um, you know, his use of hyperbaric chambers actually and healing, uh, some of the gray matter that, uh, has been associated with traumatic brain injuries, but, you know, CTE has been linked to a number of, uh, uh suicides that we've had from former players. Um, and it's, it's a real thing. I, I really do think it's, it's an issue. The NFL, I think, is doing a lot to to combat it now, thankfully, uh, with the standardization of the helmets that we use is way different than it used to be. I mean, there is a very high standard and testing process that goes into that. They've tried to police uh, the, you know, the helmet-to-helmet hits that we've had. There's way more protection for players that carry the ball. There's protection of all sorts for any type of helmet-to-helmet contact. You can't erase any of it, and some of it, honestly is the draw to the sport right. is the violent nature of it but i think all of us realize the risks that were that were taken i mean you should you play in a contact sport um and there's things that uh, you know to, to look into and uh, to think about uh, when you're playing and when you're done playing to, to make sure you're 
cognitive function is still there and you're, you're good, good moment to pause. We are supported by listeners and businesses just like you, like our gold supporter, Applied Neuroscience Incorporated, the creators of NeuroGuide, the premier EEG assessment and training software whose demo version can be downloaded from the link here. Hey, check it out. Applied Neuroscience is having a workshop September 10th and 11th in Florida, Madura Beach, Florida. Hey, two ways you can participate. You can attend the workshop or you can do it remotely through TeamViewer or click on the link here, appliedneuroscience.com slash attend-ng-workshops. Hey, check it out. Dr. Thatcher's inviting everybody that attends to his house for a cookout. Sign up now. It's going to be a blast. Woohoo! If you have any questions, email QEEG at AppliedNeuroscience.com. Join us. You know, it's not just football. We've got hockey. We've got uh, soccer headers. Mm-hmm. Now that there's head trauma in basketball, I mean, it's, it's not quite as deliberate. It's just an accident. Yeah. But any contact sport basically has the possibility of a head injury. Uh, it's interesting that the NFL has done the helmet thing. They're pulling people off and making them actually pass a cognitive test. Uh, (laughs) How many fingers am I holding up? You know, uh, isn't the only test that they're doing anymore. They have continuous performance tasks like like an Ivor or a Toba type test to see what your reaction time, omission errors, commission errors to test your uh, cognitive function. But they, they also test balance. It's not just if your brain's intact for thinking it's also that's intact for yeah, controlling uh, physical movements and and your sense of balance but the fact that they're pulling you out and making you sit out but they don't have any designed therapy is just unfortunately a couple notches below where they should be and at this point knowing full well cte is happening i mean look at the litigation that they settled yeah. Uh, that th- they should actually be doing the, the things we know help. Now, post-traumatic ischemia, migraine ischemia, vascular change causing ischemia, all of those things end up having a common approach. Hyperbaric ends up being one of the major approaches. Yeah, talk to me about that, Jay. What's he talking about? That wasn't sure. around when I was pointed. Sure. And, you know, hyperbaric is, uh, there's soft chamber. It's kind of like a body bag with a window you're not supposed to use uh, full oxygen in it, and it doesn't hold the pressure as, as high as a hard chamber. The hard chambers with a higher pressure uh, basically are the ones that you need for very good recovery uh, from trauma. Extremely higher pressure, uh, an atmosphere and a half or so, uh, you, you start to actually have oxygen that enters the body once it's in the body it doesn't have to flow along a blood vessel to get to their end point it goes tissue straight through tissue it's direct perfusion so uh, at a high level of pressure and high level of oxygen if you've got an impaired blood flow because of a concussion causing swelling in the brain compressing the blood vessels in the area the end point that needs to have the blood flow doesn't get it in a proper way ischemia is less delivery of oxygen and glucose 
It's not like a stroke where you don't have any flow whatsoever. It's just kind of a kink in the hose. And anybody who plays the hose as a kid knows if you kink the hose, you can mm -hmm. stop the flow or you can restrict the flow. And uh, post-traumatic ischemia is a restricted blood flow to an area. It's not a total cessation of flow. And you end up having EG changes in the area uh, that are typically viewed in neurology as nonspecific. Uh, Mid-temporal sharp slow transients are indicative of ischemia, but they're irritative or ischemic. And uh, they're nonspecific. Quite often, they're not even described by the neurologists and electroencephalographers reading the EEGs because they're a nonspecific finding. So they don't describe it. If you actually describe it, then the person referring actually can say, oh, ischemia. Yeah, they had a head injury or they have migraine or they're old and they've got a vascular change. We can do some hyperbaric to get oxygen and glucose to the end of the stream it needs to get to. They could do neurofeedback to end up reducing sympathetic overarousal. Sympathetic overarousal constricts the blood vessels. If you've got an impaired flow and a constriction, now you might have reached a closure break. It's important to uh, have multiple therapeutic approaches and for the, for the NFL not to have instituted relatively standardized approaches at this point is I think beneath the uh, level that they should be at. After Don't all- you they're pros, you know, yeah. so well, they should well, be doing Jay, this he, right. Yeah. Well, even Aaron Rodgers brings up our old friend, the glial cell, and he also brings up light therapy. Is he talking about like Dr. Lou Lim light therapy and uh, it, or? It, it, in fact, that's photobiomodulation is, is being used for traumatic brain injury to good effect. It's a newer intervention, but it, the efficacy is basically what's driving that people find good results and, Nothing succeeds like success. You know, if you're if you're treating somebody with a head injury and they get better, they're going to tell people. And one person going out of your practice with a very good outcome that had a TBI is going to end up sending three or four more people because TBIs are ubiquitous. Auto accidents, um, you know, pe people in a sport where they have head injuries, MMA, yeah. uh, Joe Rogan on the other end of this talking about football well if you want to talk about head injuries getting knocked out in the ring is yeah. going to give you a pretty good concussion recovery from Ali. that yeah. may allow you to recover but it may not there's dementia pugilistica uh, dementia because of boxing and it mimics parkinsonism gee have you ever seen a boxer with a parkinson syndrome yeah you can Muhammad see corner Ali. Yeah, uh, but he, he may have had dementia pugilistica yeah, and yeah. Uh, Parkinson's disease. It's hard yeah. to uh, hard to tease it out. Right. But uh, it, there's there's quite a few corner men uh, in in boxing uh, that have the diagnosis of Parkinsonism. And I always scratch my head. You can see I've scratched a lot of it yeah. off. Is it Parkinsonism or is this actually post traumatic change? And well, Jay, uh, well, Jay, like Aaron says, it's like getting the NFL to do something, you know, they want to see more information. It just sounds like insurance companies. It sounds like the government, you know, show me more yeah. information. And, you know, these guys have to do this stuff on their own. Right. Yeah. Just well, like the rest hyperbaric is it going to cost you, you know, a heart chamber yeah. is not cheap, but you know, football, they make plenty of money. They can afford to save the career of some of their best people for an extra few years worth of output. You know, when you're paying somebody 
bazillion dollars a year, you know, having another year or so out of them may look like a financial mistake. The reason you're paying them that much is to keep them, not to make yeah. them go away. Yeah. You know, let's get a, a, a treatment regimen in place. Now, if we're waiting for proof beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're looking for the preponderance of evidence, not yeah. beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's like, like court, there's different levels of proof that you need for different kinds of cases. And for us to suggest that they use these approaches, it doesn't require proof beyond a shadow of a doubt. It, it requires the preponderance of evidence. We've got to yeah. show some positive outcomes, but we don't have to have dismissive proof. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. just have to show this is more likely good than not. Set up a couple of randomized you know, I don't know if this is better than that. Randomize into the two approaches and see which one works better. You know, that the, they should be doing this. And well, unfortunately, that's a, that's a professional athlete there using this stuff. So yeah. if you can afford it, like you say, all right, let's yeah. close out Aaron and see what he's got. Lesser at risk for some of the effects of CBD. Well, you're a very proactive guy, so I'm sure you have kept abreast of all your your own impacts. And how many times do you think you've been concussed? Uh, let's see, I've had three concussions, I believe. Yeah, I've had three concussions where I've uh, come out of games in my playing time um, and obviously taken a number of other hits to the head. Uh, that you know didn't classify as as concussions but um the the last one i had was in 2018 and i got kind of clotheslined and i went over and sat on the bench and i was like oh man i kind of dinged up a little bit but felt like i wasn't i was i was okay and then and then just came on and my vision just went like you know and and took myself out of the game and that one kind of scared me to be honest uh, because it uh yeah it didn't feel like I was concussed it didn't feel like I was it felt like kind of a normal shot almost and then it just came on and I you know basically was losing my vision losing your vision what's going on Jay uh probably what's called spreading depression if you've uh, ever had a a migraine, you sometimes have what's called a scintillating scotoma, a little flashy light spot. And that spot's going to expand out to occupy the entire visual field. And then the spot that it started at will recover. So you end up seeing a ring going out. What's happening there is a slow spread be because of glial activity. Glia can turn on or off function in the area. And literally, it was turning off the function at the back of his head, probably because the visual cortex got hit in the in the the, the ding that happened, ended up causing the initiation of what's called spreading depression. And literally, the glia turn off an area. It takes time. Glia uh, can happen quickly, but uh, for glia to end up spreading, it's an initiation that ends up spreading from a point. Uh, across that that can take minutes to hours the rate of spread is something that was actually um, described by Hewlings Jackson the Jacksonian March he was a neurologist who had an epilepsy he could see uh, how how rapidly things shifted across the body 
any uh, uh, attributed it to where in the brain and how fast it's spreading in the brain. Uh, spreading depression again is a is is regulated by glia. It's basically turning off the area. And when when, uh, when you when you get a big hit in football, I mean, I've seen stars. What is stars? What does that mean? What's um, going on? You you just created ischemic change in the area. It's a very temporary feature if it's a really minor one, but you could have triggered spreading depression if it was a more significant one. The stars are neural. You've uh, forced the neurons to discharge and you're perceiving it as though it's a perception. And, and you know, seeing stars is what people re- report but having your bell rung, literally yeah. hearing a ring, uh, is another set of being visual cortex, is auditory cortex. You can literally end up having a brain area uh, create false sensation, the seeing of stars or hearing of a bell uh, or bells. Or when triggered, if it's more severe and you've got glial involvement. Now, traumatic brain injuries can be just neural, and those are concussions, they're gray matter involved, but they can also involve white matter. And those are more severe concussions. Dr. Thatcher in 1997 did a very nice paper looking at quantitative EEG and quantitative MRI correlations in traumatic brain injury. What they found is that delta in the EEG, which is a rhythmic slow feature, uh, ends up being associated with white matter damage. And Changes in the alpha and beta frequencies are associated with neural networks, and that's gray matter. Now, gray matter heals up fast, well, relatively fast, relative to the white matter. It's, it's quick. It's like turf. If you, if you make a divot on the golf course, give it a little bit of time. That grass is going to grow right back in. The gray matter is, is built to end up rehooking everything back up. So usually fairly quickly... Uh, gray matter comes back online. White matter, on the other hand, is not quick. And if you damage white matter significantly, there's something called uh, retrograde degeneration. Not only does the white matter you damage die off or have problems, but all the white matter that was hooked to it are also going to fade away. That may take six months to nine months or over a year for all of the connections to finally die off. So white matter symptoms may progress across time in a way that gray matter stuff just doesn't. White matter is uh, more difficult to recover from. It's a more severe injury. And if you look at the uh, construction of the discriminant functions that have been associated with traumatic brain injury, those are controversial, but